Good morning and welcome to Glendale Christian Church. My name is Andrew Kirshner. I'm the lead minister here at GCC, and I'm really grateful that you've decided to worship with us today. Grace is that which saves. Grace is that which God gives. Anytime God gives to us a special gift, it is an example of grace because grace is always a gift that is unmerited, unwarranted, not deserved, but given nonetheless so that God's glory may be maximized and that our benefit may be maximized. Today, we'll be looking at a very special aspect of grace and we will find it in the book of 2 Timothy. If you have your scriptures with you, go ahead and turn open to 2 Timothy 1. If you don't, that's all right. You can follow along on the screen behind me. But today we'll look at the first seven verses of chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. And we'll see how the grace of God brings forth certain aspects in our lives. Now, if you are able... Would you stand in reverence for God's word as we read the scripture aloud this morning? You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, please give us the insight you have for us today so that we might be men and women who are about your business, filled with your grace, doing what you have called us to do. God, open our hearts and our minds to reflect on what you are saying so that we can receive your insight. We love you, but don't just take our word for it. See it in our actions. This we pray in your perfect name. Amen. Please be seated. Did you hear the opening line of chapter 2? You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We're supposed to be strong in grace. And grace is a really, really great thing. For we know from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, that grace is that which saves us. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves so that anyone can boast. It's the gift of God. Grace is a gift. So when God gives us things, we are supposed to do something valuable with it and understand that the grace he has for us is important. And so we're told to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is very, very important for us because being strong in the grace that is in Jesus prompts a number of things. Being strong in grace, first of all, prompts discipleship. Entrusting the truth to others. Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is keen to tell his protege Timothy, make sure that you relay this message to other people, that you entrust to them the truth who will in turn be qualified to teach others. Grace always prompts discipleship. 
Just as Jesus, at the beginning of his earthly ministry, said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, towards the end of his earthly ministry, before the ascension, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, and of course, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Being strong in grace means taking the gift that has been given to us and being able to entrust it to others so that the process of discipleship, whereby we are invited and transformed, can be reduplicated time and time again. And this gospel, which has been entrusted to us, is now in our possession. It is our responsibility to grow in our knowledge of this gospel, to explain it to others who will also teach it to other people. Oh yes, being strong in the grace that's in Jesus prompts discipleship, but it also prompts us to join in suffering for the gospel. This is now the third time in the book of 2 Timothy where we are encouraged to join Paul in suffering. It's a short book and we're only seven verses into the second chapter and we're told time and time again, Join me in suffering for the gospel. Don't be ashamed of me who suffers on account of the gospel. Being strong in grace prompts us to join, to volunteer, to run headlong into suffering for the gospel. When other people will shrink back, when other people find timidity in their life, we can stand strong in the grace of Jesus and boldly grow in our power in our love, and in our self-discipline. And when we see that even though the world may come crashing down on the gospel and say, you can't teach this or that. In fact, we will make it illegal to promote what the Bible teaches. We won't stop. We won't stop teaching the gospel. We won't stop preaching the word of God. And if that means we suffer, we won't be ashamed at the suffering that comes to us. Instead, being strong in the grace means we will sign up for it. If that's the cost, gladly shall we pay. But grace also prompts us to grow in spirit-led power, love, and self-discipline. In fact, I'm very eager for today's text, 2 Timothy 1-7, through because it's the text that finally gets the rest of our graphic to come into full understanding. You remember from chapter 1, verse 6, the idea that we are to fan into flame the gift of God. And then verse 7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but the spirit God gave us gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And so at the very heart of our graphic is the fire. And it's to remind us to fan into flame the gift of God. The gift of God is always grace. And the particular gift of grace that God has given to us is power, love, and self-discipline. And as we fan into flame in our own lives, this grace, we are supercharged. Grace does not just justify us from the penalty of our sin. Grace also sanctifies us from the power of our sin. And as we eschew the power of sin and embrace the power of Christ-likeness, when we demonstrate the love of Christ to the world around us and grow in self-discipline, we are like fire that takes fan into flame. But then, you see immediately after this, we have a spear, a shovel, and a crown. 
And finally, we get to 2 Timothy 1, where we hear that the athlete who competes for the victor's crown must compete according to the rules. And we see a golden crown of victor's crown surrounding our graphic. Because just as in athletics, so Christianity and Christlikeness requires power, love, and self-discipline. But that's not the only world in which these things are required. For so too, the soldier, represented by the spear, must grow in power, love, and self-discipline. But also, the hard working farmer represented by the shovel must grow in power, love, and self-discipline. For there is a connection between the physical world and the spiritual world. And just as we grow in our ability to do things within the physical realm, so too we can grow in our ability to do things in the spiritual realm. Which is why Paul, through the Holy Spirit, gives three analogies. First, the soldier, then the athlete, and finally, the farmer. And we recognize that we have something about this too. We are all called to put on the armor of God. In fact, Romans 13, 12 says, The night's nearly over, the day's almost here. So let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. And Ephesians 6, 13 says, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. We are all called to don the armor of light. Just like a good soldier. Now, I'm fortunate in my life that my best friend, our executive minister, Clay O'Dell, he didn't serve as a soldier, but he served four years in the Marine Corps. And the Marines have to train. They have to grow in power, love, and self-discipline so they can secure the embassy, so they can be the tip of the spear when we're called to go on offense. It's the Marines who get called first. And so it is that the Marines must grow in power. You have to grow in physical strength so you can do what you're called to do, but there's also the aspect of love. And every Marine wants to please his commanding officer, just like every good soldier in the army of the Lord wants to please our commanding officer, Lord Jesus. And just as every Marine, every soldier has to grow in self-discipline so that they can learn how to do the things that are required of them, so too to grow in Christ-likeness and to train in godliness, self-discipline is a necessary aspect. But maybe you don't see yourself like a soldier, maybe you see yourself in the physical realm more like an athlete. Well, 2 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25 says, don't you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. The victor's crown in store for us is eternal righteousness and time everlasting with God Almighty. This is what we're running for, so do not give up. Do not stop. You run the race, you box, you compete. And so it is in the physical realm, you have to go into strict training so that you can be good at athletics. Well, I'm pretty fortunate in my life that not only do I have a best friend, Clay O'Dell, who's a Marine and a great All-American baseball player, but I also have another great friend, Chris Carino, who's lost like 60 pounds over the last year, who's run a marathon in his life and even serves as the basketball coach for our Glendale Christian Church team. And this guy has helped me go from being the very worst six-foot-four basketball player in the country to... I can get some rebounds now, and I can put some stuff back up. I've blocked a few shots. I've even hit a couple of three-pointers in my seasons. And because Chris has given me some great pointers, he's helped me go into some training. And getting to go to the gym with Chris and with Clay is a joy because they've shown me that it works 
If you commit to a training plan, and you don't just have a general vague idea, but you say, rather than, I'm just going to get fit, you say, I'm going to go do what they do and eat how they eat and train the way they train, it starts to work. I've started to slim down. I've started to get healthier. The process has begun. It continues. But I'm telling you, when you get the accountability of guys who already know what they're doing, it makes it so much easier. I've spent decades saying, I'm just going to get healthier. And then I go to the gym once in a while and I eat a salad instead of a, a, a plate of fries. And then I go right back to it because there's no accountability. We must have brothers helping us. Maybe you don't see yourself like an athlete. Maybe you see yourself like a farmer. Well, James 5, 7 and 8 says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Just like the hardworking farmer, we are very blessed in our congregation to have hardworking elders who do what they need to do for us. And I'm very impressed by the example of all of our elders. Rick Beckmeyer, who works asphalt and car stuff. Greg, who teaches junior high science. Tony, who sells all kinds of stuff. And Josh, who does all kinds of different businesses and now sells cars even. All of our elders are so great at working hard, whether it's counseling or whether it's investing in schools or whether it's investing in people's lives. And I think we've only got like one or two that are retired even. They're working hard. And I remember the very first time that Clay and I got to hang out with some of the elders, Josh and Tony took us to the shooting range, and they were showing us how to shoot some of the guns. Well, Clay already knew how to shoot them all, but I didn't. And so it was great immediate training. And they're like, now, this is a weapon. You have to be very, very careful. And I was shooting guns I'd never even seen before. And it was a lot of fun. It doesn't matter if you're having fun or working hard. You better have power, love, and self-discipline. Because if you don't have power, you're going to get knocked down. If you don't have love, you're not going to be careful with what you're doing. And if you're not self-disciplined, it could be really dangerous to have that kind of fun. But they showed us how it can be. And that's how it is in the spiritual realm. I want everyone here at Glendale Christian Church to grow in power, love, and self-discipline. To train with other men and women, hold one another accountable, and become more and more godly and Christ-like. So here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to read the Word of God. I want you to read the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 every single day this week. Read 2 Timothy 2 every day. And then what I want you to do is contemplate whether or not you display power, love, and self-discipline in your faith. Ask yourself that question. Am I demonstrating power, love, and self-discipline in my faith walk? And then I want you to pray. I want you to pray that you'll follow through with the spiritual health and training plan. Now, I've provided a physical copy for every single person of Glendale Christian Church, and you can pick one up out in the hub. There's a packet, 13 pages, that's the physical, or not the physical, but the spiritual health and training plan. And if you want it online, you can download it online. If the links are there, you can email me and I'll give you a copy, and I want you to follow through. I don't want you to just to be aimless and say, oh yeah, I'm going to get in health, I'm going to get uh, buffed up spiritually, and then never do the things you need to do. There is a plan, there is a process, there is an accountability that's required. That's how growth happens. Just like in the physical realm, it can happen in the spiritual realm. And then I want you to invite, I want you to invite somebody to come to church next Sunday. Look at the sea of empty seats that we have. Look at, look at how, many, how many spots we have available. 
This week, invite someone to come next week. Say, hey, come with me to church on Sunday. It's going to be awesome. We're going to talk about 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. And Andrew is super pumped about this text. You're going to want to hear it. Come on with me. We'll go to lunch afterwards. Invite someone with you to church. Here's my prayer. That by the 4th of July, 50 giving adults have joined this congregation. That's what I'm praying. I'm praying for 100 this year, so I'm chopping it up. I'm praying for half by halfway. So by the 4th of July, I want 50 people, growing adults, not just people. I want adults willing to give their lives, their time, their effort, their energy, their money, their commitment to Christ to join this fellowship. That's what I'm praying for. Will you join me? And not just join me. Will you help bring that about? Come on. Hey, we're going to church on Sunday. Want to come with us? Invite someone to church. With that in mind, would you stand with me real quick as we pray?